This is Mike Taylor, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome and what a week. Cup and league victories will do nicely, thanks very much. After progressing into the FA Cup fervour, we met the Forest of Nottingham once more and we did some woodcutting once more. Pretty evident with how many times we hit the bloody woodwork itself, but mostly with some majestic finishing from two very talented wingers. Take a bow, William the Conqueror and Lumber Manor Solomon on his first goal in black and white. Could have been more, a lot more, and we are back to a European place in seventh for the week. With me to discuss all this week's topics are Matthew Arter and Dylan Chavas. I'm J-Mac and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Right guys, opening thoughts on this. I, um... I really wanted to smash these guys for a few reasons. One of them for that really annoying fucking video of them dancing with uh, Jesse Lingard uh, in in the dressing room. I mean, I know, I know it's great they had team spirit and everything, but Jesus H, I went really Roy Keane when I saw that. But also, I just think we're just better than them all over the pitch, aren't we, Stato? I mean, I, I mean, I say, I say, I wanted to smash them. I mean, it was only two nil, but it felt like it could have been five or six nil, didn't it, Stato? Yeah, you know, in in an alternate world, alternate universe, even. This would have been a six-pointer game on previous Premier League seasons gone by where we were in a relegation scrap and it's a big must-win game. But we're not in that alternative world. We're, we're, in, we're, in, you know, we're, we're in the now, we're here and this is a game where we're a top-half Premier League side against a team that are scrapping for relegation. It's a game that we expected to win. It's a game that where we would have expected to have been the stronger team and we were. It was just a very full, accomplished performance from us, from the start to the end. And it's the type of performances and types of games that we can start to expect if we want to become an established Premier League team. Mm. It definitely feels like this is the game now that has cemented a lot of people's mentality of thinking we are safe now. I think it's safe to assume that. I mean, you never know unless something horrific happens. But well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I think we thought before that. You, you're, you're laughing because you know. Well, good. But, no, I know. No. But I, I, I think, um, Dylan, what, what are your thoughts on the game, mate? And just uh, where are you at in thinking what this represents? We're pretty much safe now, aren't we? Obviously. Yeah, uh, surely we've got to be safe. I mean, um, you know, what are we now? Seventh place, I think. Um, yeah. Just It seems like, I feel like every week it's going to be our sort of, you know, our dip's going to come, but it just it just hasn't arrived yet. And the longer we can keep this good run of form going, you know, the stronger our chances of finishing higher up the table are, you know. Um, obviously seventh now, and I really think we could push for Europe, especially if there's any sort of, you know, um, sanction with Manchester City and their sort of European places compromised as a result. I'm not sure just how likely that would be, but you know, you never know. There's a, there may be a way in through that way. So it's important, you know, keep on playing the way we are and picking up points. But I thought the game on Saturday was quite a resounding win by all accounts. I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there, but um, everything I've heard and the highlights look really promising. Uh, Solomon scoring his first goal, William on fire again, and the rest of the team just. You know, putting in the usual seven or eight out of ten performances all around the pitch. Yeah, really amazing to see. And I think it's definitely one of our best seasons of the modern era, it's fair to say. That's a great way to put it. I, I would say, um, despite the victory, I mean, I'm taking nothing away from the victory, actually. I mean, I, as you say, I thought all the players were brilliant. And it's just, what's fantastic is that just the sort of the collective team effort that's going on right now with always trying to score goals just before Williams goal for instance you saw Polina actually trying to turn on the turn to try and score it himself this is just a real fire underneath all our bellies at the moment it's wonderful to see but just like I said not taking anything away from the victory stato but um have you ever seen two central defenders or key players come off so quickly at the same time so early in the game it was almost something that would happen to to Fulham in 1819 season isn't it it was a very bizarre set of circumstances that happened and you know it's not taking away anything from our performance, but it certainly did help us in a way. I mean, both their sense bats getting replaced within you know, a minute of each other, that's, it is unheard of. But regardless of that, we still would have got the win because like you said, we're trying to score at any chance. We're, we have that, 
like we had that fire in the bellies and it's the fact that we can take that to every single game and it's a great testament to Silver that you know there's 38 games in the season that was oh, I can't remember what match, that's match 20 something now and there's no signs of us slowing down like we're approaching each game in the same mentality in the same way of you know going out there trying to win trying to score goals and if we can keep that going till the end of the season, like uh, hopefully you know players don't start going on their holidays now. Now that we're safe, and you know we might start to drift. If, if we can keep that mentality going, then yeah, who knows where we can finish and how 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 high we can go. But your thoughts still on Nottingham Forest before we move on to the good stuff? I mean, so you know they've got enough players obviously to replace these two these two defenders that came off. But just do you, do you think they'll be all right for the rest of the season, or do you think uh, this could be the start of a? start of something a bit downfall from us well um, I, I, I don't really know what to think about Nottingham Forest I think they'll be okay I think they've definitely got the, you know the right sort of quality in their squad you know to stay up in the league but it does feel a bit like all of their you know starting 11s are sort of like the Hunger Games you know like names picked out of the hat at random that right. are then having to go and play for them so I don't know if they've got like a strongest 11 per se but I do think in their squad they've got enough um enough talent I, d- I know you don't really like him but uh, I'm a fan of Jesse Lingard to be fair I think he's a good player on his day he had a few um, oh, injury I don't mind issues him. I actually don't mind him I just find him a bit annoying it's just a dancing it's just a dancing it's a dance it's you know doesn't want to, everyone want to meet <laughs> just like there's a really you know that lo- like famous Love Island meme or something like that where it's um, one of the guys like does anyone want me to rap or anything <laughs> just to lighten the mood a bit it's just that's that's Jesse Lingard every time isn't it just yeah <laughs> I see him all over um, but they, Brennan Johnson's a talented player and I'm sure it'll go on to, no offence to Forest fans, bigger and better things in a few years at least. Um, and obviously Kaylor Navas has been there and done it, so I'm sure he'll turn out to be a good signing. But um, I didn't really think... It didn't look like they posed too much of a threat on Saturday either, that said. So, uh, yeah, on, on to uh, a different test on Brighton next weekend. They were actually on a good run of form before they played us. Um, yeah, they were. They'd only lost one, one league game. That was the United game. Um, before that was um, the day the first game back from the World Cup they'd won three in, oh, two in a row before that and then they'd only lost in the FA Cup and the League Cup during January so that, you know they were in a decent run of form it was a potential banana skin but now you know I wonder if this loss has kind of started kind of uh, you know sets a little losing run of games and you know for them because they've got Man City next they've got West Ham after that Everton, Spurs, they've got a tough one of fixtures coming yeah. up now, so they're going to be down and around, I don't think they're by any means safe, they'll be one of the teams around there, but I think there's three teams that are worse than them in this league, I won't say who yet, because I don't fully know, but well, I think they are. I completely agree with you on that, but I think, going back to what Dylan was saying in terms of Brennan Johnson being so I can already hear like about a thousand Nottingham Forest fans, obviously are not listening to this podcast, just getting really wound up by that. I think they imagine they are staying up and Brennan Johnson will be with them for a long time. But he, he did mention uh, Kayla Navas and, he, you know, what an absolute purchase they've got there. And he, he was... I mean, obviously he conceded two goals against us this game, but he was absolutely not stopping the 17th minute beauty from Willian. And this is his third goal for us. And I just want to ask you, Stata, do you think this was his best game for us so far? I think it's probably the most happy feet, quick-footed I've seen him so far. He reminded me of, like, you know, Chelsea days, like he's been drinking the Holy Grail or something like that. I, I, I think I think this is probably our best technical player since maybe... Berbatov, as some people saying, I don't know. Ooh, that's a, that's a bold claim, but no, I, I I I get it. He had one of his best games for us. It's hard to say whether it was his best game because he's been he's played so well in so many games this season. I mean, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, although we didn't score, he still had a great game. Where he was taking players on and was rolling back the years. But it was this game where he actually had that bit of end product and. You know the goal. I can watch that over and over again. The way Great. he just hits Renan Lodi down. I mean, he's he's thirty four, almost thirty five. Like he's he's just sitting these Premier League fullbacks down, and he, he's just showing no signs of slowing down. And the way that he just put onto his left foot, it was literally in that top corner. Like they had a player, on, I think they had like two players on the line, if, if anything. But it, he got it passed over him into that top corner. It was just a thing of beauty and. You know, what what a season he what a season he's having, and I really does hope. Well, I'd like to think he will stay around next season as well. So I think I'd just reciprocate what um, Stato said. Really, he's been um, 
an amazing signing. And it does part of me sort of amazed at how other clubs weren't in for him. I know he struggled at Arsenal and he obviously had that weird season in Brazil, but I you know, there's always a good player in there. It can't he can't have gotten that badly that quickly without something going seriously wrong. And I, part of me thinks it's more a measure of how Arsenal were sort of playing and being run uh, at the time of that sort of lockdown season when he was there. Um, but you know, we've we've gotten really lucky with the the sort of player that we've um, we've gotten. He's just been a breath of fresh air, I'd say, and really really talented. And he's like, I was thinking, it's a similar story to Tim Ream in the sense that you know he's thirty four, but there could still be three or four years left of him potentially. I know it's different positionally depending on injuries and other things such as that. But yeah, I'm just excited to see how long this can sort of go on for, really, even past this season. Well, there are rumours that he might sign a contract soon, so that would be good. Um, nice of you to mention Ream there, because that flows quite nicely. I mean, from one fountain of youth to the next, Tim Ream, again, stats are superb this game. I mean, we I don't want us to get into the habit of just talking about stuff we've talked loads about, because we know Tim Ream's obviously, you know, ageing like a fine wine and purring like a 1987 Ford Mustang that your dad keeps covered in the garage for decades. But, like, we, we, we it, it's just, you know, I mean, he's give Real Madrid, uh, David, a lot... Um, David Alaba, you know, a job right now. I mean, he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, but this game, I think, was probably one of his best in terms of his reading of the game, his interceptions. What I mean, just your general thoughts before we don't repeat ourselves too much. It's it's honestly, I mean, yeah, it's one of the most surprising things this season, the fact that, you know, Tim Ream's our best defender. He's one of the best players in the Premier League at this moment in time. Um, if, it was, if it wasn't for the big six uh, bias that exists in the Premier League he'd probably be in the Premier League team of the season at the end of the year but he probably won't mm-hmm. which is unfortunate but he should be because of what he's doing and you know the way that he's playing week in week out you know like you say he's 34 and he's just he's just not slowing down and he's it's he's using that experience that he's had in the past but you know what tends to happen with that as you get older you get more experience but you know you lose your legs a bit you lose a bit of pace you you, you know you lose that physical ability but he hasn't and you know I, I want to know what his yoga routine is or what his Pilates routine is because he's for yeah. him to keep going this long it's it's astonishing and you know there's that little worry at the back of my mind that you know Nick, it, he's doing so good at the moment next year will that be the year where, his, where he you know finally drops off but yeah, as each game goes by, you think, well, no, he's just going to keep this up and he's going to go on forever, and it's it's just really good to see. Yeah, what's also really good to see is uh, I thought Issa Diop was brilliant this game. Um, gone under the radar a bit because of how well Tim Ream did, but I thought this was one of his better games as well. I mean, I think all his games have been good. I, f- I saw an article actually earlier, some West Ham fan social media outlet, just saying how you know we we were wrong about Issa Diop, which was a win. I loved seeing that. That was good. Um, th- let's move on because we can talk about Tim Ream till the cows come home. We've done it to death. Let's talk about Mana Solomon and his debut goal for us. Um, this was really a really really nice finish Dylan um, despite obviously him having all the time in the world I thought it was really really composed and he just looks like a player that's been managed really really well by Marcus Silva from his injury and easing back into the squad yeah uh, it was a goal taken in the correct manner if you will I suppose um, Very he did nice. have a lot of time nice. but he managed to um, you know um, when it looked like he should or could have gone for the um, the far corner. I guess that's what nine out of ten people would do. He managed to sort of bend it inside the near post. It was a really impressive finish for somebody who, well, definitely hasn't scored a goal in professional football for well since at least August. Um, I don't know when his last goal for Shakhtar Donetsk was, but um, yeah, he looks like he's um, like found a bit of found a bit of got a bit of his confidence back, and he did say in his. Um, post-match interview that when he scored he felt the sort of pressures and doubts of the last year or 18 months um, sort of wash out, wash out of his head I think he said and um, yeah. it's been a, a difficult time for him and he said it was a, a hard year obviously with everything that had gone on in Ukraine and the sort of position that put him and his career in but it's really nice to see him get that first goal and hopefully it's a bit of a hoodoo off his shoulders now and he can continue contributing for, for the team yeah, so there's an article from the Evening Standard tonight about how 
this has been one of the worst years of his professional career and I was hoping in the end it would might give some highlight of what the contract situation is this seems to be quite um, a, a, a mystery that none of the Fulham fans can actually work out at the, at the moment Stato it seems that it, it, it might be a gentleman's agreement to be made a permanent but it looks officially like he'll be leaving going back to Shakhtar briefly at the end of December is that right? Yeah, so looking at the official announcement back in uh, July, August time and what the Athletics said was that it's a one-year contract that he is signing now with the club as part of some free for ruling where non-Ukrainian players who play for Ukrainian clubs can kind of suspend their contract with Shakhtar, sign a permanent deal with another club, us, Fulham, and then after the year he again goes back to Shakhtar on the original contract, which just so happens to run until December 2023, which is a weird contract length anyway. Most contracts you'd imagine would expire in the summer, so the fact it goes to December anyways is a weird one in itself. The conflict, the weird, un, the unknown, the anomaly here is whether we will sign him on a permanent after that. Like you said, some people say there's a contract in place that he'll sign it on a permanent, a gentleman's agreement, whatever you want to call it. I think the truth is no one really knows. Um, I would like to think we've been smart enough to have something in place where we do something on a permanent, uh, or to have that option at least. So if he was to have a really good season, we would have that option to sign him. Obviously, he hasn't had a great season. He hasn't had a bad season. He's you know, it was halfway through the season. He could end up having the best half season of his life now. Could very much happen, but I'd like to think we'd be smart enough to have that in place where we can then sign him and we have a useful asset on our hands. But who knows? We just have to wait until the summer. I, I think. think he will definitely stay with us. If there isn't actually an official uh, gentleman's agreement, as rumoured from the Shakhtar owner, then maybe, maybe. I just can't see him not wanting to stay on with terms of how we play. I remember briefly hearing from some sort of outlet on Twitter once that he actually picked Fulham due to some sort of stats, uh, some sort of stats meter to show what team would actually suit his play the most. So I can see him really settling in. He already has settled in, in here well, but just if he's been given the confidence and the way he's been managed for a really serious injury by Marcus Silva, it just he's probably he's been through quite a lot personally with us already. So that might actually give him a lot more sentimentality to stay with us, and I'm sure he actually will. Um, I just want to move on to double sixes here. So briefly, I just want to say Andreas Pereira was fucking brilliant this game. Um, I think statistically... Um, this was actually one of his second best game for us um, there was a sixth assist and he was just all over the place but there's nothing new to add with this because we've talked about Andres Pereira Prezes and Perlo as he was once dubbed I don't want to get into that too much because we just go around in circles but the other sixth is this is Leno's sixth clean sheet and we have done a lot of talking about Leno but I just I really do wonder sometimes Dylan where we would be without him in the table because this is a guy when I watch him between the sticks he just looks like an extra centre back the way he commands his area the way he is just his his timing of everything just there's something incredibly elite about having Leno with us and it's just been probably one of my favourite signings of the season Well without Leno I think we'd probably be quite far far down the table to be honest because it's uh, it's notoriously hard to uh, keep the goals out when you haven't got a goalkeeper uh, but seriously, you know, he's been, um, he's been, he's been, he's been really, really good. He's, um, I think he sort of epitomises that sort of classic like goalkeeper, like six or seven out of ten every week, as a minimum. Yes. And the, I think the defenders can rely on him. He's had experience at the top end of the Premier League recently, which really, really helps. And um, I do think it sort of speaks volumes that, um, you know, managers like Mikel Arteta and I think even Wenger to an extent may have used him and trusted him to play, come and play in the Premier League and even used him last year when yeah. um, you know Ramsdale was out injured or whatever I think there was a few games that he played obviously he didn't get off to the best of starts them last season but he seems to be a completely uh, different story for Fulham this season and for 3 million as well I think that's the you know, the first sum of money we paid uh, it just looks like a complete bargain and um, well, I don't think we'd have found a better bargain like a better pound per pound keeper if we'd spent all summer looking to be honest with you so to snap him up before the season started and for him to be as good as he has been for the price we paid has just been incredible I you know, couldn't have asked for anything more yeah I think I think what we're seeing here with Leno with Pereira with Willian is that we're in the space of well, half a season in the Premier League we're carving ourselves as a niche in the Premier League as the club where 
it's not has-beens can go to, but it's players that maybe went to a big club that hasn't worked out for them, but we're there as an opportunity for them to kind of kickstart their careers a bit. Because, you know, you we're competing with teams like Brentford and Brighton, who are these, you know, stat-padded clubs. And I'm sure we have underlying stats that go into our signings as well. But what we're creating here is this, is this place where, you know, you got a big move to a big club like Andreas Pereira had and it was kind of ridiculed at United like you said the whole pre-season PLO bullshit and everything and Silva takes these players under his wing and he gives them the chance to kind of actually prove the doubters wrong show them what they actually are about you know we are Fulham we don't have that pressure of trying to perform at a big super club like Manchester United you can they, he's giving them that environment where they can just play their best football and they can perform at their best and that's quite a nice uh, identity for us to have and it would be more it'd be quite attractive for us when it comes to recruiting players in the future I think yeah, absolutely. I think they've got to stop calling him pre-season Pirlo and start calling him Premier League Pereira yeah Probably, probably a good idea. Probably a good idea. I mean, going back to Leno. I mean, his save against Aurier's header. That that was a moment that was getting a bit squeaky, wasn't it? Because I thought you had Dennis come on and you had Lord John Joe Voldemort come on, and the game started to seem to like just turn in their favour ever so slightly. And that save was just absolutely key. And then obviously from that save, we were able to eventually, you know recoup ourselves and actually score the winner with Solomon but you know I mentioned the fire to you earlier stats are about the players everyone wanting to score now we've got a great goalkeeper as Dylan says that's you know the one reason we're doing so well and we've got obviously fantastic players in you know Palinia covering covering our asses as well but we've also got just everyone there's a there's a statistic that's come out today we are now the top Premier League team for the most goal scorers in one team. We've now got 12 goal scorers in our team. And th- this is a huge sigh of relief when we are going through a slight Mitrovic drought, isn't it, uh, Slatter? Yeah, it's perfect. Um, you know, Mitrovic is going through a bit of a drought at the moment, but that's not to say he's playing bad. But it's important that if you want to compete in the Premier League and you want to be successful, you can't just rely on one outlet. You can't just rely on one person to score all of your goals. And it's the fact that players are chipping in left, right and centre now. You know, Solomon's scored, but... And, you know, he's been playing well, and I would, you know, say who he deserves to start. But then I look at Willian, who's actually scoring goals, and Bobby, who's still doing... You know, he's he's performing well, well as we well. We've got to talk about that, pl- that, the woodwork for that. That was that would have been amazing. What exactly. <laughs> well, I said exactly. what a shot. It was off target, if, but still. If that had gone in... <laughs> yeah fine margins in it (laughs) that cursed phrase Um, but um, no it's you know you wouldn't want to drop Bobby or William but you know you want to play uh, Solomon as well Pereira's playing out of his skin you know you've got Sasaluch is now who would want to try and get a start at some point as a new signing. What did signing. he look like to you actually out of interest? And, and, and Swaz when he came on I, I didn't really get enough vibe of them I don't think they, they they didn't really play enough to actually get an accurate uh, kind of a fair assessment of them I mean they they came on on the 91st minute so yeah. <laughs> I mean it's a, it's a three minute cameo Kevin and Babu got an assist after being on for a few minutes against Brentford and you know yeah. if you if you were to base a player off that he's in, he yes it's not an fair assessment but um it was. I found it interesting, actually, though that they, they didn't come on sooner. You know, it's the first game for them. I would have thought they would have got a, a few more minutes than they did. But I guess that's the way the game went. It was only one nil to us. I guess it, it wasn't changing things up too much. Um, hopefully, a Brighton we get to. But the more argument than. is that maybe Vinicius didn't come on sooner, uh, sooner because Mitrovic, I think, had an, an off game. Even though I thought he wasn't as bad as everyone says he was. I'm just trying to split the difference in and find the middle ground, because some say he had a bad game. Um, but, you know, he nearly scored that chance. That would have been absolutely sublime. He sent Worrell and Philippe on their ass. I mean, like, that that would have been the goal that says, I'm back. And unfortunately, it wasn't for him. But, yeah, it's there's some... My mate, for instance, Folds, who... who um, is in the hammy end I usually sit with him he was just saying nothing was really sticking to him today and I'm just you know I just don't know if he, he's a streaky player isn't he so we just have to sort of wait and see for Brighton maybe I, I, you know I, I get where you're coming from and actually the last couple of games my feeling has been maybe change maybe taking me for sure would have been a better option which you know to some that is have a say but 
you know, like we like I said, we, we've got twelve different goal scorers this season. We're not a one-man team. We can play without him. He hasn't been playing amazing, and you know, no player is better than the team. So, if a player's having a bad game, taking enough could have been a you know wouldn't have been the worst option. I mean, it was Chelsea at Stamford Bridge where he was a bit anonymous. And I was like, well, why don't we bring Carlos Vinicius on? And I know Vinicius has has his critics, and he has been playing well when he has played, but actually. When he scored the goal against Chelsea, the winner, I thought that probably earned him a start in the next game, despite the fact that Mitrovic would be back or some more minutes, but then he barely played at all. And I think that was potentially a bit harsh on him. I think he has deserved to play a bit more because, yeah, it was one goal he scored against Chelsea, but it was a big goal. It was a big moment for him. It was a big moment for us. That warranted a bit more game time, I think. And the fact that he hasn't, you know, that probably doesn't help things with his performances, with his confidence. But, you know, going back to Mitrovic, he's not he's not immune to being dropped. But it, we're not at that stage yet. He's playing. He's still playing well enough. But, yeah, I, don't, I think we maybe could be a bit more bolder in changing things up. Well, he is sooner. certainly get, he's not getting dropped, but he is getting subbed a lot more than he used to. Um, and that's a sign from Marcus Silva. I don't know if he's playing a slight little game with Mitrovic there just to say, like, you know, you've you've got to you've got to do better. I don't know, but I think Mitrovic, you know, in the early starts of the game against Forest, he, um, you know, he, he got very angry at a few points with himself and just with the referee. And I think he looks very hungry. But Dylan, my question is, do you, do you think? There's a fine balance between a Mitrovic that is sulking and not getting his own way and to one that's actually got fire under him to try and fix things and actually, at what point do you think we can actually see him probably firing up again? Like, hopefully soon, yeah. obviously, we'd all want to fire soon, but go on. I'd say, yeah, there is, there's obviously a fine margin between the, the two sort of sides of Mitrovic, but I don't think that goes any further than there being, you know, fine margins between scoring a goal and hitting the post. I think as soon as he starts scoring... Again, he'll get that sort of that fire back, and I know in some games he he's been accused of looking disinterested or lethargic. Um, but I just think it's a, a confidence thing in, in terms of goals. I think you know it's his country's all-time leading goal scorer, and um, obviously nearly are. I think now are Premier League all-time record goal scorer. I think he's only a few goals away from there. It's clear that he expects. Um, you know, a lot from himself in front of goal in terms of both his own personal records and the team sort of fortunes. I mean, you only have to look at the amount of shots I think he's taken per goal uh, this season in the league. But I think, you know, he's a, he's a great striker and the goals will come. But I think every striker is worth their salt knows that for every sort of, you know, goal-scoring goal streak you go on, there are going to be periods where your luck sort of dries up in front of goal. And I don't think he needs to do anything differently or... You know, um, you know, alter his performance in any way. I, th- I think it's just one of those sort of periods every striker goes through. But he's still got a fantastic return in terms of goals for this point in the season. I think he's fourth or fifth in the list of you know top scorers behind Harlan Kane. I think Ivan Tony and maybe Marcus Rashford now. Um, but I yeah. think he'll be okay. Um, I, I think he will too. I mean, you've got players at the moment that are just absolutely in proper purple purple patch mm. you've got you've got Rashford at the moment who is just scoring every week and you had Ivan Tony who's suddenly scoring again now but he had a little dip so yeah. I, I can imagine we you know if, if we're to believe everything we see from other players then it's no reason why Mitrovic shouldn't start scoring again next week or, or the week after so I'm, oh, I'm not yeah, too concerned absolutely yeah. and I think he's also he's also earned the right to have a bit of like a you know a a streak of, course, of yeah. a streak of worst form without the fans getting on his back too much or anything like that, just for you know, just for last season alone. And also, you know, exactly. other players other players in the team are playing really well right now, which is sort of helping sort of mask that um the dip in form. So yeah, there's nothing and to worry it, and about. And it's not I'd like say. he's been invisible either, Dylan. I mean in this game he I mean he, he you know, he created a couple of chances, he, he won he won lots of duels. I mean that, that goal, like you said, that nearly was saved miraculously by Navas even though he went the wrong way. I mean, you know, it was it, it would it, that would have been an incredible goal. It wasn't the worst performance of him by far. So there's there's a lot to be said. He's still contributing to the team. He's still like a player that is connecting things up in spite like despite not scoring. So I think we'll be absolutely fine with him. That's the main thing. And like he looks 
the, the, just the joy on his face as well when Willian scores, uh, when Willian scored the goal is just brilliant. You know, he, he's he's such a team man, um, team man. You know what I mean? He's such a he's such a people person. But he was just yeah, brilliant. But I mean, I think he's going to be fine. But I mean, it would be nice, obviously, if he scored in the FA Cup as well, and that that brings us on nicely to the FA Cup because, well, we actually won another game last week and we didn't have time to cover it so we beat Sunderland and I don't want to go into a whole analysis on that because we've got lots of other podcasts that cover Fulham and a lot of them have been done to death about this already so I would like to say that you know it was quite clear that we were very dominant this game and despite some defensive circus moments and I just want to know to Stato what do you think we can take uh, from that game and bring it on to Leeds next week from our frailties and from our strengths I mean it's quite it was quite high stakes this one because it makes us get into the quarterfinal and you know it's even higher fucking ticket prices but we'll get to that in a bit but just your thoughts on what we can bring to Leeds and what we might want to tinker uh, well, if we're going to summarise it quickly I think at Sunderland it was very good to see that the fringe players mm. um, which still had that fire that our first teamers have there was a small drop in quality I guess because these are the fringe players but overall um, I think everyone had quite a good game. You know, shout out to players like Shane Duffy. Duffy was and, so fucking good. Um, I was so happy yeah, with that. It's it, brilliant. He had a good game. Um, and, you know, Rodak made some good saves. Kazawa's a weird player. He scores, but he's not great, but he's not bad. He just exists. Um, he's he he's a question mark. I think Leeds will be a good kind of test or a good... Um, yeah, a, a good gauge to see what kind of player he actually is. Um, but no, I think it was overall. It was you know it was good that these players can come in and they can perform. These are the same. I, I'd imagine it'd be roughly the same team that we'll see against Leeds as well. These players will get a chance again, and yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they perform against you know a higher quality of. of yeah, we'll definitely start Solomon. But Dylan, we don't even know what manager Leeds might have by then. I've just seen. I've just seen who's like the second or third favorite. It's gone to Nuno Espirito Santo now. I don't know what. I don't know. We don't even know what sort of manager they'll have by the time we play them. If they're going to take it seriously or not, or if um, if we, it might just be a nice free hit to take us to the quarterfinals. Yeah, facing facing Leeds, um, you don't know what we're going to get. It's a bit of a, a box of frogs, really. I don't think that's the right expression, but um, it may be a completely different proposition to facing them two weeks ago. So, and I'm sure, yeah. well, I'm sure it's going to be different to facing a Jesse Marsh team. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think every team at this sort of stage of the competition will want to take it as far as they can. Um, I think if they were going to go for a free hit, they would have fielded weaker sides against um, Cardiff or even Accrington in the last round but um, you know there's no doubt they've earned the right to be here just as we have so I'm sure it's going to be a great game um, whether it'll be backed by a, a raucous Fulham atmosphere you know you can't really say because of the uh, extortionate prices but um, yeah I'm sure it's going to be a good game and I'm pretty confident we will we will make it through when all's said and done Well I want to talk about the prices really quickly um <laughs> 40 quid now, so 30 quid was a bit of an insult to some people. 40 quid, I think now you're starting to really price people out and take the piss a bit here, Stato. I, I think, you know, I, I don't want us just to talk about, oh, it's an outra- it's outrageous, you know, we could just, we could do that all day. I think what would be a more positive spin is like, do you think there's any chance, once the Riverside stand is fully built and got all its corporate elements built uh, built inside of it and we're making extra revenue and we've got all those hospitality areas sorted do you think there's a chance they might ever just change the pricing a little bit nicer for certain areas or do you think this is only going to get worse it's, or memberships uh, even that's a nice thought but it's a nice thought but unfortunately no I, I think they're not going to go any worse I don't think they will but it won't get any better they're just it's 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 an unfair price. Um, I was just looking at all the other FA Cup fixtures. Um, there's only one other all Premier League tie, and that's United West Ham. And United tickets have all sold out anyway. And United United is going to be expensive anyway. But Leicester Blackburn, you know, Leicester are selling their tickets for twenty five pounds, twenty pounds, twenty five pounds if you're a non-member. <laughs> Southampton against it's Grimsby, I know, at seventeen pound, and. You know, you look at those prices, and that is a fair price for a fourth round or fifth round, I can't remember, a fourth round, no, fifth round uh, FA Cup game that is midweek as well. It's a midweek game. This isn't a weekend game. This is during the midweek. 
and it's not like Leeds, you know, yeah, it's all Premier League, but it's not, it's, it's Leeds, like, that's nothing, no discredit to Leeds, but it's, it's, a, it's a mid-table Premier League cra- clash in midweek that just so happens to be a cup game. And, uh, you know, we can, we can we can complain, we can moan, but ultimately the club don't care. They will do, they will keep the prices as they are because they've probably got some data and they've probably got some analysis to show that they can set it at £40 because people will eventually sell it. doesn't matter who they sell it to. It will go to tourists, it will go to just people who want to go and watch Fulham, people who can afford to pay for that. But, yeah, it does mean you're pricing out actual fans that do would want to go and see it. You know, I'm I'm not a season ticket holder at Fulham and I haven't really had the chance to go to Craven Cottage this year because I look, look at the prices and I'm just not interested in paying that much money. I mean, I love Fulham, I love watching football, but I'd rather just watch it at home. It's a lot cheaper for me to do that. It's I can't justify some of the prices that you know they've put on yeah. this season. Well, my season, I mean, my season ticket, I mean, and all of it, they're they're, they're all coming. They're going to be after us next. Um, that will be the next increase. And I'm just, if it is going to get worse, then it's going to, it's, you know, it, it's. Am I am I right in thinking that for season existing season ticket holders that they held the prices from last year, so championship that's prices right, basically. Yeah. So we've been very fortunate for that, but that's not gonna last. That won't last, I don't think. Yeah, so next year will they hold it again? Probably not, they're gonna up well, it. Well, especially slightly. if we get into Europe and especially if we finish in the top half, you know. Well. I mean and that's their their reasoning. If it, that success equals higher prices. But uh, Dylan, do you have anything else to add on this? I mean, we can talk, like I said, how what a disgrace it all is. But do you can, can you see any light at the end of the tunnel that maybe once everything's mm, not really? Fixed I just, I just or, add, Mark. You yeah. know, um, talking about the FA Cup fixtures, my my mate is from university here. He's going up to um, the United versus West Ham game with his dad. They're two West Ham fans, and I think they pay right. forty five pounds a ticket. Um, on top of you know the travel cost to Manchester, whether that's you know on the train or in the car with the extortionate petrol prices it's just that's not that's no real you know price for what is ultimately 90 minutes of football you're paying what are you paying 50p a minute which is um way less than it should be it's this game was affordable for me but only because i just about fall into that 18 to 21 bracket by the time the game comes down which is the 28th of february so that's 20 pounds and i was able to get the train for 12 which i thought Given I've missed a few games uh, this season, I can sort of, you know, take that hit for that game. But um, it's not something I could afford to repeat, um, you know, every week with a season ticket. So quite often now I don't go to some of the smaller games at home just because I'm, you know, I have to save money. Otherwise, um, you know, it's it's not feasible. Um, And if we do go on to get Europe or, you know, get better and better, um, I can't see the ticket prices going down and I think it may just be a case of you know they won't add anything onto the season tickets for Europe but every game will just be another £50 so that's that would be 150 quid for the group stages alone so it doesn't really bear thinking about but um, you know what can you do uh, you can't you can't just demand high, you know lower prices and you can protest and hopefully there will be some form of action taken but um you know, it's it's not really my authority. The issue, to say. The, the the issue is that, you know, Fulham, like our shit government at the moment, when there's a giant problem going on, rather than addressing the problem and trying to fix it, Fulham, like there's a big ticket problem, they're going to say nothing. They're just going to ignore it, deflect, just pretend there's not a problem, and just do what they want because they know they can get away with it, and there's nothing that the fans can do about that. You know the supporters trust can keep moaning at them and doing something you know podcasts we can keep moaning about it and creating campaigns but nothing will happen because they're just not that interested because they know they can get away with it and that's the unfortunate reality well let's move to more fortunate realities then rather than unfortunate because we don't want to be debbie down the too early on this pod so let's let's talk about Another interesting stat. So we've now gone past the most Premier League points made in the season under the Khan's ownership. Um, it was actually 32 points we got in 13-14, which kind of feels like a bit of a cop-out because they took over halfway through um, when under Al-Fayed, over Al-Fayed. But w- w- it, 
look, we finally look like we're staying up. And I've been saying for a couple of seasons now, it'll take one season to stay up for us to stay up for a lot longer, in my opinion, under the, the Khan's ownership. And I'm not too sure what the situation is with FFP at the moment. I don't think necessarily this summer means we're now back to... We, we've erased all the, the problems from the eighteen nineteen season with our 100-plus mil spend. But I just want to know... Dylan, what your thoughts are potentially on the can, on the Khan's plans for this summer and and their ambitions? Um, it, it's we're in uncharted territory now with the Khan's if if they keep us up, which is looking obviously very likely. And I just want to know what you think because I've seen rumours already today that we're gonna maybe activate a release clause for like thirty million euros for Andre from one of the South American clubs, the, you know, the defensive midfielder. So th- there's we could start getting quite. 1819 the game in terms of spending I don't know but hopefully in a good way if, as we've learned from recruitment yeah um, I don't know if it's the Khans or if it's more Marco Silva sort of putting his foot down so right. I think I'd go into the the summer just hoping I can trust Marco Silva's judgement you know he's definitely earned that with the sort of quality and the calibre of signings that we have made over the past couple of windows um, so I would I, I wouldn't oppose the club spending forty million euros on a player if Marco Silva was confident he was going to be the right player for us. But right now, forty million on a midfielder seems like it'd be a bit excessive, especially when you consider the options we've got. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind we'll need a slightly bigger squad next season um, just to cope with you know any additional games that there may be, or even just to keep the squad fresher. Um, in between week to week and help us perform better in the league as a result Um, I do think that in the first half of this season sort of the first 11 was fine and some of the bench options were good but the overall quality of the squad pass that was was quite low and inexperienced in terms of you know playing in Premier League Um, but that's obviously something you've got to expect when you've just come up from the championship no matter how many times you've been in the Premier League before Um, so yeah I think I'm just going to go into this summer not really expecting anything because I objectively I'd be fine going into next season with this squad but um, obviously we do need a couple of additions but I'd, I couldn't tell you who or where we'd need, really need to improve upon at the moment um, so I'm just going to well, see we'd need some backup targets for potentially the selling of Robinson or Paulinho because people are going to be swooping in for that in the yeah, summer I, hope, Maybe I, hope, I really well. hope Paulinho stays uh, that would be one of my principal targets going into the window would just be to have him staying because he is so so good Robinson I I think is slightly more replaceable, but obviously you don't really want to lose him because he's just. I think he's been he's he's weirdly suited the Premier League more than the Championship. I don't know how that works, but um, that's how it seems to have played out for him. Um, but yeah, if the squad was to stay as it is, which I'm sure it won't, I wouldn't have any objections going into next season with it. But it it probably won't. So let's see what happens. And Stato, I'll come to you. What what does um the if let's say my hypothesis is correct and we stay in the Premier League for a lot longer now that we've survived one season under the Cairns what do you think uh, five years under the Cairns looks like in the Premier League um, that's a really good question what five years could look like I think next year you know, we could see an 18-19 in that we spend 100 million but that's not because we're going to sign a billion players it's because well, there is Premier League inflation now spending a lot more 100 million isn't actually that much if you're signing the right players I think if you're spending that 100 million you're signing three or four good quality players that can um, improve the squad I think it's not just five years under the cards it's five years under Marco Silva as well and sure. what they can achieve together you know this season is the bit where we stay in the Premier League the next two or three seasons I'd like to think we can build on that we can start building a really top quality top half side that can challenge for European football. What I want to see, and it's what a lot of Premier League teams kind of, it's what happens when you see a lot of Premier League teams, like look at Leicester, for example. They have four or five years at the top and then eventually it all runs out of steam, you know. You feel like, you know, Brendan Rodgers has come to the end of the cycle with Leicester. There isn't much more money to spend. And that's kind that's kind of come to the natural end and that may happen with us in four or five years' time. But then, what I'd want to see is kind of some kind of future-proofing plans that means that we can be we can be self-sustainable, we can be sufficient, and we can just kind of keep going in the Premier League and stay in there for as long as we can as a good competitive. It, it team. seems like we might have fucked ourselves a little bit if we haven't. If we, you know, I, I want Marcus Silva to stay forever, and I hope everything goes 
well and he's with us in the next 10 years and we're winning the Premier League etc etc but with the culture that Marcus Silva has set up you, ha- you have to feel like we're a bit screwed if we don't if we don't get a, a Portuguese or Bra- a Brazilian manager who can actually speak the language because we're, we're setting up this very this very specific type of culture with uh, Brazilian and Portuguese yeah but no <laughs> um, I mean I've, I've, read, I've read an interesting article the other day actually about how you know Premier League teams or teams in general they do have a list of you know managers to hire if they were to sack or if their current one was to leave, even if you know they don't want to admit there is a there is a list that people would want to go to. I mean, look at Brighton; they got rid of Potter and they hired um, the Zerbi, who's Spanish or Italian. Yeah, he's Italian. Italian. You know, so going from Graham Potter, an English manager, with his taxes to De Zerbi, who is English speaking, but you know was at Shakhtar before that. It just goes, and you know they're playing better if anything and it just goes to show that if you can get the next appointment right then actually the transition won't be yeah. too drastic so yes Silver Silver may leave one day he will leave one day we don't know when could be next year could be the year after that could be in 10 years time who knows but it's all about if you can hire right after that to minimise the disruption that would come between that well that's this is you've made some brilliant points which move us next on to my next point so let's just first of all let's just say Marcus Silva signs that contract extension uh, very soon I feel like that is going to happen I don't know at what point they might choose to announce it I thought maybe after this game against Forest would have been a good time but we'll see Um, and you also mentioned Brighton which is obviously our next game now this is the barometer of the European places of where we could end up potentially as Dylan was saying earlier and I'm actually going to this one I've never been to the Amex before so I'm really excited I'm just Dylan your general views of what to what you think we might see I mean I think we can all agree here the three of us that this is going to be an unchanged lineup I think we'll probably much keep the same lineup we had against Forest, but this is a very good team and their manager is brilliant as you both have said I just would like to know who you think we should be watching out for I mean the obvious one is you know who and you go for it <laughs> yeah uh, obviously we've got to look out for um, the man with a PhD in dribbling I think is uh, Kaoru yeah. M- Mitoma um, but you know I-, I feel sneakily confident I just I don't think I should be this optimistic going into a game but I'm going with one of my mates who supports Brighton he's going in the home end I'll go in the away end of course um, but I just feel like we're going to get a result I don't know why Brighton have been in tremendous form at home and away and have uh, you know gotten claims to much bigger scalps this season and under De Zerbi they seem to be playing even better football than they were under Potter and uh, well Potter's a wizard uh, as, as we all know you are full of you are full of them today mate I, mean, I can't <laughs> believe you like, I'm real oh. I'm real <laughs> um, but yeah I just got a sneaky feeling we're going to get a result I think it will be an unchanged lineup because don't need to fix it if it's not broken um, and yeah I'm just I'm really really excited for it I don't know if I, don't know if I'll be saying that full time, but going into it, I'm, yeah, I'm predicting us to come all over the points. I just think Silver will have something up his sleeve that's going to see us uh, see us right on the day. But I'm yeah excited as you, as it sounds. I think what's really nice about this is in recent seasons in the Premier League, you go into you go you got a game against Brighton. It's like right, we have to get something if we want to stay up. We have to win. We have to get a point. And obviously, you know, we want to win today. We, we, we're going we're gonna to want to win that game. You know, the team, the players going to approach the game. But it's kind of nice knowing that if we lose, it's like, well, we're still going to be in the top half. We're playing well enough. Losing against a Brighton, a good Brighton team, it won't be the end of the world at all. And you know, it's just that's just a nice feeling to have now. I guess that because we're going to stay in the Premier League and you know we're a good established Premier League team, there is that there isn't that much pressure and that might reflect in actually our team and how we perform as well because hey we're playing above expectations I'm not saying this is a free hit for them but it's like well we we don't have to get a performance we can just go out there we can play our football you know it's going to be against a Brighton team who are playing good free-flowing football as well I mean if you're neutral this is this is the potential to be a really good game of football to watch and you know, yeah, I think it'll be a good battle. But if we can get a win on this, then yeah, we can really, really start thinking about Europe. And actually, that may actually become a bit of a reality. If we can get a good result. Well, I don't want to jinx ourselves too much, but obviously, if we win this, we're on thirty. Uh, five, six, seven, uh, f- thirty-eight points. Is that correct? Yeah, thirty-eight. So that's you know, 
That's pretty nice. And we can, we're now at the stage where we can start expressing ourselves a bit. We're safe, but not safe, but we are safe. So like, it's it's now at the point where we can just start having a bit more fun. And obviously, that takes us on. If we do get a result against Brighton, then obviously it takes us on to Wolves. Um, and that's, you know, we could, we could really do something here. I think I'm not too. I'm not too sold on Brian as everyone else is. I, I I share Dylan's optimism that we can do a really good job here, and I I think Brighton obviously are they they are where they are for a reason, and actually they've played less games than us. But I do think that we, I think we're seriously seriously underestimated all the time at the moment, all the time. It was just a, it was so annoying that last week that we finally fell out of the European places, and then everyone starts mentioning Brighton and Brentford in the headlines as if it's like the first time it's happened, and Fulham hadn't been there before them for quite a few weeks. I mean, it's just it absolutely baffles me. But I do think it will be a very interesting and quite open game. I think if Mitrovic can maybe finally, finally get that goal in, then we are onto a winner. I, I just, it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see. In fact, I don't even know what our record is against Brian. I know we've won against them recently, but what's our general record at the Amex like, anyway? Well, not in the Amex, but just in general against Brighton. We haven't lost in five games to them. We've had two wins and a draw. Nice. At the Amex, our last, I think, I think uh, the last few games against them. I think the last time didn't... we actually lost at the Amex, we might have been pumped 5-0. But that's not going to happen on the weekend, though. Uh, there was actually a 2-1 loss uh, after that in November 2016. I was, I was there, which is weird, but um, that's clearly been erased from my mind. Uh, who scored our goal? A little bit of trivia Kevin, here. Kevin McDonald. It was Kevin McDonald who got our goal. I think they. it was one of those where they cleared it off the line or they tried to clear it off the line and I wasn't even. we weren't even sure if it had gone in because it was down the other end of the pitch, but... Um, yeah, then they scored two goals God, in the second we have, half. We, we had a back four of Adoy, Callus, Sigurdsson and Scott Malone. Wow. That. Scott Malone, man. Those are the times. I tell you, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game, like I said. I just... Um, I've, I've never been, so I don't know whether to actually go to the station or go for drinks with people in the city centre beforehand because there's it's, it's only like six minutes from Brighton Station, but I'm just trying to work out what the plan is first. So I don't know whether I just go to Falmer Station because I think there are some beer huts en route towards the stadium or something like that but I don't know how expensive that is so we'll see we'll see but it'll be good it'll be good and um, I've also just before I wrap this up lads I've got other points here it says all other business and I've got say how Harrison Reed was brilliant I mean he was brilliant and he actually I thought he was good that game and he covered for Tom Kearney not being able to come and substitute him very well he was all over the pitch Harrison Reed uh, and Mbabu's gone officially to his boyhood club um very sad, very sad indeed. Is, is anyone, anyone want to add anything to, well, to we, poor Kevin? Just like the uh, movies, we left Kevin behind. No. I mean. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. I think it's just one of those. It's just one of those things. It just hasn't worked out for whatever reason, personal, professional. Eh. It doesn't sound like it's a move where, oh, just get some playing time and maybe you'll be back in contention next season. It sounds like, here's your move, we're selling you in the summer, right? Yeah. That's, that's the vibe. I think I think like it's, it's an odd thing. I mean, the majority of the signings we've made this year have been good. In fact, I'd say all of them have been thinking about it. So, you know, one of them being a dud signing, you take, you take, you take those odds, I think. You take those numbers when you look at all the chance of business we've done this year. One bad egg... You know, it is quite good in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. All right, lads. Nice, nice. Really good to see you. And um, we'll be back. We'll be back next week with a reaction to all of this stuff. And if you like what we're here, please tell your friends about us. Um, we're on all the social media outlets, and we're on all the sort of outlets that do podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc., etc. And for all our listeners, just want to say a big thank you to listening to us because we know. Fulham have a lot of podcasts at the moment and it means a lot to us that you are listening when obviously we don't charge we don't have a, have adverts or anything like that so thank you for listening to us we're just fans having a laugh and chatting and thank you very much to producer Don Love for editing as always many thanks see you soon Fulham